Uh, welcome to episode 83 of the Ski Podcast, and thanks for joining us, listener. As always, we have a lot of ski-related chat for you in this episode, including the latest travel news, and we have some very immediate updates, uh, snow reports from around the outer, news of a new ski app, and an in-depth look into skiing for women. Plus, I might add, this will be the fifth episode in a row where we featured an Olympian uh, on board. Uh, I'd like to thank Switzerland Tourism for sponsoring the podcast and in the light of a uh, uh, cop 26 probably a good time to mention the swiss sustainable project uh, uh, longer term listeners might remember in episode 72 we had alex herman from switzerland tourism who was uh, talking about that and i've just been writing uh, a blog post for one of my clients in zerma about it recently and if you just have a look have a little google for swiss sustainable essentially switzerland are trying to position themselves as the most sustainable destination in the world which according to some surveys they already are and they started that process this year in 2021 with the goal of uh, having that in place by 2023 apart from the fact obviously train travel around the country is uh, excellent they have a lot of projects uh, underway so uh, have a look at that and have a think about switzerland for your next trip now, my name's Ian Martin. I'd like to introduce my guest today. It's another episode with a big turnout. As Al just said to me in the green room, it seems to be getting bigger and bigger. But let's start with uh, Katie Dobson, the ski goddess. Uh, we'll be finding more about that later. Hi, Katie. How are you? Hello. I'm very well. Very well. Thank you. Excellent. We've also got um, a regular guest of the podcast, uh, Graham Bell, uh, with us, joined today by his business partner, Sam Lynch. Hi, Graham. Are you all right? Yeah, very good. Yeah. Thanks for joining us uh, this morning. And Sam, nice to have you on the podcast. How are you going? Great, thanks. Thanks for having me. Now, also on the uh, line today, we've got Katie Crow from Battleface Travel Insurance. Hi, Katie. Hi. And also, finally, rounding the team off, equipment expert Al Morgan from SkiKitInfo.com. Hi, Al. Morning, Ian. Right, skipping Katie now, because I know your answers. Let's start by finding out when you skied or snowboarded last. What about you, Katie? When were you last uh, on snow? Um, Last time I was on snow was, well, actually, I'm pretty lucky because I'm based in Chatel, which is on the Swiss border. So although I sadly couldn't have any of my lovely ladies out last season, um, I did get to hop over to Morjan and get on the snow. I remember last season that uh, Chatel almost made itself uh, uh, Swiss for a while because didn't the town hall put up Swiss flags on the outside of the town hall? It did, yes. Uh, there was lots of hoo-ha and, um, uh, yeah, lot, it, the village was a bit divided because a lot of people thought we should just behave and do the French, um, you know, abide by the French rules, which is fair enough. And then a lot of people were like, they're opening. We should just get on with it. And we're just there. So, you know, yeah, there was a bit of hoo-ha. Well, as it goes, I know Chatel pretty well because I did my first ski season there in 1988-89. So I know that it's literally, uh, what, a 10-minute drive to get from Chatel to Morja? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, when I was a ski guide at the time for Bladen Lines, and one of the uh, days out we used to do was the full tour de Porte de Soleil. And you'd, you'd go round to uh, through to Le Londere and Morsi and Avoriaz and round. And the final segment would be uh, back from Morja. And you had to get the guests up a very tricky uh, T-bar or possibly even uh, a drag lift at that time. And if they couldn't make it one time, we had to get a bus to come and pick us up from Morja, which was disappointing and expensive. Uh, Graham, let's move on to you. When did you uh, last ski? Uh, I was last skiing on the glacier in Zermatt, seventeenth uh, of October, with uh, with Sam actually uh, filming some content for Perfect Turns for our ski coaching and ski fitness app. Uh, but I was also I was killing two birds with one stone, trying to be as green as possible. Um, I was filming for Carve, um, the uh, insole technology people, and also filming for the BBC for a feature for Ski Sunday next winter. Uh, which features the Gherkin Schofields, um, who grew up in Chatel. Certainly you're going to be the most recent of us to have got on snow, because 18th well, of October, not bad, that was a month ago, and Sam, you were there uh, as well, uh, so I know that you skied a month ago. What about before that? When was your last uh, a trip or time on snow before that then? Yeah, uh, about two years ago. So um, the first run, I definitely had the, the the nervous sort of, what's this first run going to be like back on snow? Um, but it was absolutely brilliant, um, just as good as ever. So uh, yes, two years for me. Yeah, well, I know it was because, oh, I know it was as good as ever uh, because I've seen your video, uh, the little intro video, but we'll come on to that uh, later when we talk about the Perfect Terms app. Let's 
have a little chat about what the travel situation is. Katie, we often start off the show with uh, everything planned and we know what we're going to say. And in the last 15 uh, minutes, there have been quite a lot of new uh, developments. Let's, let's, where should we start? Let's start off with boosters. That seems to be a, a bit of a, a question uh, recently. There is some good news, which has come uh, today. Yeah, that's right. Um, we've been talking about families and the complexities and the problems that they're facing um, this winter. And the Sunday Times and the um, the Times have been all over this issue. On Saturday, they outlined that under 16s are not eligible to get the NHS COVID pass to show they've been vaccinated or had a have a negative COVID status. And the problem is that countries such as France and Italy demand that over 12s provide a proof of negative COVID-19 status or proof of vaccination, or they pay for a lateral flow test to get a temporary pass every two days. Um, and also entry into these countries is also dependent on a pass or a negative test. It's, 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 it's quite a tricky, um, tricky time for, for those, these families looking to go, go skiing this winter. Yeah, I mean, I think just to clarify, since our last podcast, the good news is that the NHS pass is accepted within the EU as an equivalent to the to the COVID green pass that happens uh, uh, over there. But I think this morning they announced or the NHS announced that booster jabs are now going to be shown within that NHS app, which is going to make uh, things a little easier. But the key question that you're talking about uh, there and that we've been flagging for ages, and I find it interesting that... Uh, the rest of the media seems to be catching up with this story. But we've been saying, you know, if you're a family and you're going on holiday, those issues that you're uh, uh, mentioning there, you're not fully vaccinated if you've only had one. And therefore, you have to have regular tests during the course of your holiday. Yeah, exactly. And also um, youngsters between 12 and 15 um, might also face difficulties if they've tested po positive in the previous 90 days before travel as the inactive virus still shows up in testing in some cases, even if they've been vaccinated as they can't use the NHS app. And as you say, Ian, it wasn't gonna be good um, for the older demographic either as the COVID pass didn't show evidence of the third booster. But as of today, the government has said that the booster jab will be included in the, in the COVID travel pass, um, although not yet on the domestic pass. And they, they said that this could be as early as today. So. This is really important as um, Brits who are in France over 65 who've not had a COVID booster would have been banned from restaurants and attractions from the 15th of December. Yeah, I mean, the whole situation, as always, remains a uh, uh, dynamic. And I think the advice is to, you know, to keep checking, but to maybe put it into uh, uh, context. You know, we have some friends who are going to uh, Italy at New Year. The adults are fully vaccinated. The children, you know, evidently aren't being uh, under 18. So they will need to have uh, regular negative tests during the course of the uh, week. Having said that, I was talking to some friends of mine uh, yesterday who went to Rome at half term. And you would, I don't know, if the rules have changed since half term, but they were in uh, Rome, they went to the Colosseum and they went to the Vatican and they had a 12 year old uh, with them who'd had one uh, jab, nothing, no NHS app or whatever. And they just showed a printout of the email saying he'd had a jab and they were let in to places and they weren't checked at any restaurants. Now, you know, that's anecdotal evidence of it not being applied in Italy's capital city. Whether or not that's going to be uh, different at all elsewhere, I don't know. Katie, uh, uh, ski goddess, did you want to say something? Yeah, I just um, I'm just really relieved to to hear this um, about the boosters being shown on the on the travel path. And because in France, uh, from what you were saying, Ian, you, in Chatel here and everywhere I go, we have to show our passes every time so some of my goddesses have phoned up saying oh I'm over 65 because my my uh, age bracket is up to 70 or more sometimes and I was just envisaging going into the restaurants up the mountain but leaving the the older lady out standing outside I was like this isn't gonna work I think there's a big disconnect between what governments are suggesting people do and what uh, countries are actually doing um, it was the same when I was in Japan. Uh, the rules were such that you weren't allowed to serve alcohol 
um, in restaurants. Uh, but that if you if you knew where to look, there were certain restaurants that would serve alcohol. And of course, we all flocked to those and it went around on, you know, on our own social media. But that's where to go. Uh, and it was the same in Italy. It was the same when we went to Zermatt. Um, we heard that one person had gone into the brown cow, ordered a couple of beers. Um, they asked for the Swiss app. They said, no, we've got the, the NHS app. They said, well, that doesn't work. Um, and they said, well, you can't have the beers. And they said, well, we'll go somewhere that does. And so they just walked out and um, we went to the bar 55 and they didn't bother checking at all. Um, or they did. They asked us, oh, I presume you've got the app. And we go, yes, we have. Yeah, I think it. I think the rules might have changed in Switzerland in that the NHS app is now accepted. And that was that, about that, two that, days that. after I bought the Swiss one. I had the same experience going to Mallorca in the summer. They didn't even check the app, the pass. Yeah. They just let us through. I mean, it would go through all yeah. this rigmarole and we had to pay for express PCR tests, £210 yeah. each. And the latest uh, uh, news that we've also had in the last 15 minutes is that Austria has announced that it's going to go into lockdown starting from Monday for a minimum of 10 days. And in addition to that, vaccinations are going to be made compulsory from the 1st of February. Both of those two are pretty big news. I think let's just... I haven't had much time to react to this, but Katie, what do you what do you think the impact of that is going to be on British people taking ski holidays in Austria? Well, I think they're going to stop and think. I mean, it's breaking news. I'm just on the live travel blog now on the Telegraph travel blog, and they are going to yeah, as you say, they're going to become the first European country to go back into full lockdown. I think other countries may follow suit. We may have Germany by Monday. Um, by the time you air this podcast, uh, announcing other strict measures. And as Graham said earlier, probably a good thing they're going to get it out of the way sooner rather than later so that, you know, we can all get on with Christmas. Um, so, yeah. And also they're actually making COVID vaccinations compulsory, which is seriously big news and the first country to, to be doing this. For sure. I think that kind of goes beyond the remit of the uh, ski podcast uh, uh, that one it's certainly yeah. quite surprising news but let's let's be optimistic and hope that uh, you know that can uh, tie things up before christmas because uh, as graham mentioned to us in the green room it's extremely important to austria to be able to be open for christmas uh, so let's let's hope that is the case but it's certainly concerning you know this time last year we were talking about when will ski resorts open? Will ski resorts uh, open? But, you know, let's not forget that the season has, you know, started already. You know, Graham and Sam were, were skiing in Zermatt not so long ago. There's glaciers uh, open already. You've got Val uh, opening 30% of their ski area tomorrow. Montgenev, who don't normally open early, are opening this weekend uh, as well. So we actually have three snow reports uh, for you uh, this week. We've got Dave Burrows. A presenter of the Ski Instructor podcast uh, and from Snowpro Ski School. He reports from Glacier 3000 in Switzerland. Then Alex Armand from Tip Top Ski in Laders Alp. And then finally, Keith uh, Webb, who is a listener to the show, contacted me. He's out in Caprun just now. Hello, Ian. It's Dave Burrows from Snowpro Ski School. I'm here at Glacier 3000 with my colleague Magic Mike from Villa. How are you? Good morning. Very well. Fantastic conditions up here on Glacier 3000 above Diablerie. Yeah, that squeaky noise that you can hear is our skis going along because we're uh, we're heading up uh, the second T-bar, the one that's got access to a couple of quite well reasonably steep slopes. They're pretty good for this time of year. And uh, the snow is how is the snow? Tell me about. It's very nice. It's quite grippy. Um, I mean, there's a few rocks on the steeper uh, the steeper red run underneath the chairlift, but on the actual blue, really well groomed and pieced and fantastic for early season uh, preparing your turns and getting ready for the season ahead. Yeah, it's true. I'm feeling quite good right now. I'm like a blue blue run demolisher. You know, makes me my blue run hero. I think is the word. So, uh, yeah, that's us. I'm not sure what the date is today. It's early November um, and blue skies, beautiful blue skies. Great day for skiing. Snow's good uh, here in Switzerland. Uh, just an update on the COVID stuff. Uh, in Switzerland, there are no COVID passes required 
for going skiing, right? And what are the rules about indoor in interior lifts, Mike? Uh, on the gondolas, so the cable cars, you need to wear your mask, but on the T-bars and chairlifts, you don't need any masks at all. Fresh Swiss Alpine air. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that's slightly different to Italy because I understand they're doing the whole green pass thing for skiing, and I'm not sure what France have decided to do. But uh, but here in Switzerland, we are we are skiing. So uh, hope you're well. Keep up the good work with the um, with the pod, Ian, and um, we will speak to you soon. Bye. Good morning. This is Alex Armand from Tip Top Ski Coaching and Ladies Up, with an update from our Tucson opening of the glacier here in Ladies Up. Well, how lucky have we been? The the season started with the first week of corduroy peace up on the glacier. The snow level only to three thousand two hundred meters. And the second week brought winter with the snow line descending all the way to resort level. That's 1,650 metres. So the first week was absolutely magnificent with perfect skiing, perfect mountain biking in resort. And of course, those beautiful autumn colours hitting the white snow line. The second week when winter arrived and the snow line, we watched the snow line descend was just a fantastic feeling of excitement towards this season coming. The resort has temporarily closed and will reopen on the 27th of November, so we look forward to skiing with you then. Hi Ian, this is Keith Webb with an update on the snow conditions in uh, Zellamzee and Capron area. Um, early snowfall in November left us with some pretty good conditions up on the Kitzsteinhorn Glacier and uh, with no uh, appreciable new snow since probably about the 5th of November. Um, things are starting to get a bit thin. Um, it has been warm over the last week as well, so things have consolidated, um, but we've managed to create a, a fair bit of artificial snow overnight. So things are still looking pretty decent for what is mid-November after all. Um uh, Zellamzee area is due to open 26th of November, although having a look at the area right now, that seems to be pretty unlikely unless we get a, a drop in temperatures and they can create a lot of uh, artificial. Um, but we'll we'll wait and see what happens. Um, on the COVID situation, uh, Austria is in the 2G rules which means that basically you have to have a certificate that says you've been vaccinated or you have uh, recovered from the condition. This gets added onto your lift pass the first time you use it and um, then it's just situation normal and you just continue with your lift pass, no further checks. You've got to wear the masks in the gondolas in the restaurants, of course, but I think we'll all be used to that for the rest of the season. Uh, so, yeah, everything's going well and um, hope to see you out here soon. So, I mean, that's quite exciting. You know, people are out there skiing and there are going to be more people skiing from this weekend. So thoughts are turning to the winter and resorts opening uh, uh, every day. Uh, we'll be back on snow soon. So how do you get the most out of your time on it? Well, it's great to have Graham uh, back on the show. We've had you on before. We talked about dancing on ice and Team GB, Ski Sunday, etc. But you've got Sam uh, with you uh, with us today. Uh, you've launched a new app, uh, aspirationally called Perfect Turns. Now, I've got a lot of apps on my phone uh, already, Graham. Can you explain what Perfect Turns uh, does? How is it going to help me ski better? Well, it's a combination between a ski fitness app, which will prepare you for skiing, um, but it's also um, a virtual ski coaching app as well. So the idea being is where then once you go skiing, uh, you can upload videos of yourself skiing. Um, I will then analyze them or we will then analyze them and then uh, send you back that analysis um, plus tips or drills to do uh, the following day. Um, and actually, it's already in process because one of our one of our uh, subscribers, one of our clients is out in Zermatt. Uh, doing a Bayesi level two uh, course and has sent a couple of videos back um, over the course of this week. Right. That's um, exciting. So there, so there I, I read <clears throat> on the app, there's kind of different levels, aren't there, of sub subscription. Is that the kind of top level where you'd send in a video and you get it analyzed and, and sent back to them? Um, that's all. Yeah, that's included in the top level. Um, but all you can do what, um, what this client did and, and, and buy it as a bolt on. 
So you, you get a certain amount included uh, and then the virtual stuff, uh, the, 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 the ski coaching you can get as, a, as an additional. And, and Sam, I, you know, I read all the info about the app and I was fascinated on there to see that you've represented, uh, you know, the country in a few different uh, sports as well as being like a Bayesian instructor uh, yourself. Could you give us a bit of, uh, of info about your background? Sure. So um, obviously skiing is is my world. <laughs> um, all of us on here are passionate about it. Um, I was very fortunate to, to ski when I was younger. Um, and so I went on to do my degree in, in coaching. Um, and my actual dissertation was surrounding coaching methodologies in the, within the UK and how to get the most out of people, uh, especially when they're not in that environment all the time. Um, I've set up a, a separate coaching uh, business, which is is great that I get to work with people so closely. Um, so it makes sense really to marry the two together. And obviously with Graham's expertise and, and his history, it, it works very, very well. And so has the app already launched? Uh, can people, well, I guess it must have, you have this chap out, out in Zermatt. So people can download it to their phones, and then decide what kind of subscription they want to go for. Yeah, so you do that through the website, uh, perfectturns.co.uk. And uh, yeah, the reason we went for perfect turns is because of the PT, um, <laughs> ah. you know, and yeah, so, being uh, a personal trainer and personal trainer and slash perfect turns. Uh, and we also wanted to be able to kind of have a, a, a name that was uh, that could be used for both skiing and snowboarding. OK. And I noticed uh, in the details about the app, it says that you have a face to face initial consultation. Is that? like in real life or is that like we're doing now by via video or something like that well yes it's in it's in by video um one of the one of our uh, clients actually lives in the same town as me so i've already been around to see him face to face so um, it depends how close you are okay and, and you mentioned when you're in zermatt you were looking at the carve piece of software is that something that gets employed into perfect turns as well um, it, if you've got Carve, that's the, the, the thing with Carve is that uh, uh, you've got to have them in your boots. And if you don't, then we can't use it. So we're not really kind of setting up to to uh, to use Carve as such with every customer. But if you've got them, then um, it's good to see the data as well. It's just another way of getting the data. Um, like, for example, if you've got a skier's edge machine, we've written some programs um that you can you, you can do on the skier's edge um because you know i import the skier's edge and have done since 2003 and one of our customers has a skier's edge so it makes sense to to write those things in together sure so you can personalize it for uh, everyone and just to clarify that skier's uh, edge i think people if they've been to the ski shows they'll probably have seen you demonstrating it it's uh i'm trying to think how i can describe it but you it's have a lateral you... ski training machine you there go you go a lateral ski it. training machine it's very hard work is what i recall of it yes yeah very very anaerobic but it replicates skiing in a much better way than you can do uh, otherwise. I thought I'd just sort of add in as well is that what we're trying to do is allow people within the UK to access fitness towards skiing, more specifically towards skiing all year round. So even though we've got the, the season now, which we're starting, which is really exciting, this gives people an opportunity to be focused on the year to come um, all year round. So um, that's that's sort of uh, sets us apart a little bit as far as what we're doing. And does and Sam does uh, if there's a, a client who signs up, do you um, decide between you who is going to look after them, or do they have a, a bit of Sam and a bit of uh, Graham? How does it work? We like sharing. <laughs> yeah, they get they get both of us. Um, so dependent on and, and a lot of people generally have a good idea as to where they are. Um, so we let people kind of self-assess for the most part. And then we would recommend what might be best for them um, on the on the kind of the sign up process. Um, once they've done that, Graham and I um, obviously have different skill sets, both uh, men and women as well, that, that bring bring um, advice into it. So they get support from both of us. So, you know, Graham's obviously an Olympic athlete. Uh, you know, you've you've had, you know, high level representation as, as well. Is this app mainly for, you know, better skiers or would it work for, you know, aspiring, you know, early intermediates as well? 
So we want people to be able to access this once they're past the initial ski lesson. So beginners, there is a lot of support and there is a lot of uh, instruction out there, which is perfect for that. What we want to do is to produce something which is more long term and continual development. So they have an opportunity once they're sort of getting around the mountain a fair bit, they can then feel confident at accessing the whole mountain and bettering because quite often people will hit a plateau and they're not sure unless they hire a, a private instructor for the day what their next step is. So what we do is fill that gap um, and we, we allow continual development season upon season with the same coaches. Excellent. We have on the on the silver package, we have, uh, I think, nine different options. So we're looking at, you know, blue run skiers, red run skiers, black run skiers. And then once you've chosen what type of skier, what kind of, you know, level of skier you are, you can then choose what, uh, you know, what kind of fitness level you want to come in at, whether you're a kind of a starter, a regular trainer, or if you're, if you're up at performance level. So on that automated side, on the silver and, and the bronze um there are i think you know 12 different kind of groups that you can come into um and then the gold package is very much uh, personalized individual training so if if people want to uh, download the app they can do that now on android and iphone yep on, on android go. and iphone and uh yeah but the main thing is to get the subscription through the website because otherwise you'll just download the app um, right perfect gotcha. terms and it'll ask for your your login details uh, which you've got to go to the website to do. Okay, and what's the website URL? Perfectturns.co.uk. Well, I will have a look at that uh, in more detail. And thanks very much for uh, sharing that with us today. I'll be really interested to uh, to hear how it goes. I'm going to move on now, if we can, to Katie Ski Goddess, as opposed to Katie from uh, Battleface. And um, Sam mentioned just then that uh, you know uh, how women or female and male skiers will be uh, treated will be slightly different now when i was at the uh, national snow show at the nec last month i was wandering around and looking at all of the stands and there was one stand that stood out in particular uh, manned if that's the right word as it was by two greek goddesses and uh, you might think i'm speaking metaphorically but literally there were two women dressed as goddesses with laurel wreaths uh, 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 on their heads. And one of them was Katie, and we started this conversation. And that's why uh, we're here today. So firstly, I want to congratulate you on making such an impact. Brilliant branding, because your business is called Ski Goddess, isn't it? How did you find the show? Uh, I loved it. It was very, very busy. And I didn't stop talking for two days, which um, which was a lot for me even because I love talking but um... tell, tell us a little bit more about Ski Goddess then you know why is it called that what do you offer skiers? Um, well I wanted to um, provide women with a space where they could come out of, to be taken out of their normal ski holiday whatever that um, looks like often families often groups and and quite often the person who's phoning me up, it will be uh, the person that's struggling the most in that group. And um, the, the the whole holiday can end up being a bit stressful, which is not the idea at all, right? So um, ski goddess. No, no one wants a, a stressful ski holiday. Um, uh, yeah, how can you help people uh, get past that then? Uh, well, I just remove them from that environment. <laughs> right. Leave your husbands and kids and friends at home and uh, just come out on your own. Um, we we create a really warm, friendly, fun environment um, to to just so that the ladies can focus purely on their skiing and themselves. You, it's a package holiday as well, so it's a luxury ski holiday as well, and then the ski training course inside of that. Um, so they don't have to think about anything. They just get on the plane, meet everybody, and come, and then we just um, you know walk them through their progress. Excellent. And you're based in, in Châtel in the Port du Soleil ski area you mentioned earlier. That's right. Yes. So is it a catered, catered chalet uh, accommodation? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Top chef and all that shebang. <laughs> Excellent. So really, actually, for uh, certainly for my wife, the idea of a chalet holiday really appeals to her. The idea of not doing any cooking at all i put my hand up and say i'm not i don't do any of the cooking myself (laughs) so you know a chalet holiday is perfect in that respect you know that solves one problem straight away definitely so as i say it is we you know we just take out all the effort i think a lot of the time the the stress of a ski holiday for the women starts way before the holiday um you know with organizing it and their their clothes kids clothes um yeah how are they gonna you know if they're self-catering how are they going to manage that they're going somewhere where they don't know it's 
it's just a whole load of stuff to deal with that I remember one of my recent clients booking um I just wrote down her, her uh she was just telling me you know I've got this vision of what my ski holiday should look like and so there's this vision of the dream ski holiday versus the truth and uh you know her her vision is that she's uh wearing stylish ski wear and swishing short turns down a well-groomed red run with her two kids following neatly behind gracefully stopping at a mountain mountain restaurant while husband hands her a van show and says you looked amazing down there darling (laughs) (laughs) and and the reality is actually wiping snot finding lost gloves, rushing around to make ski school, sweating whilst carrying your own skis and two kids' skis, forgetting about your own skiing until you suddenly end up on that sketchy red, have a panic attack, and divorce is considered. So. <laughs> well, that's probably the best the best sales message you could you could uh, deliver. It sounds very very convincing, and and you know I certainly know that thing. I was saying to someone the other day, we were saying about taking their family for the first time uh, skiing, and I said personally. We never booked, uh, well, after we experienced it, we never booked kids ski school in the morning. Because if you spend all of your life rushing to try and get your kids on the school run and get them to school by a certain time, why do you want to replicate that on your ski holiday as well? Much better to have a, you know, lazier start to the morning, do a little bit of skiing together and then let them do the afternoon skiing. But that's just a my personal experience of that. Uh, and, and in terms of the actual lessons or structure of the, the holiday itself, I mean, how are you helping female skiers move that level up and build confidence? I can see that the environment you're talking about, you know, sounds great, but specifically on the yeah. snow, what are you looking at? Yeah, well, ex- exactly. The The environment is so important and that's one hurdle covered. Um, but then I think because of that environment, a lot of the women think that they've really lost their confidence. And in, in some cases they have. Um, but a lot of the time, it's just that they have not had the chance to really look at their technique. Um, and, you know, for one reason or another, that has not is not a priority on their ski holidays anymore and um and so we really I always start with technique because they phone me up and tell me about they've they've suddenly lost their confidence and everything but um and and the the old strap line skiing is 80 percent in your head and I just go whoa okay I think it's really loads about um what's going on with your technique we just go through the days we'd normally have a different theme each day to build on um you know Maybe the first day is posture. Maybe the second day is turn shape, um, moving movement on the th- on the third day, and then we might be rhythm and flow on the fourth day. We just we just really consistently provide small building blocks um, in a really fun way that they quite dramatically change how they ski and then go oh that feels more stable, stronger, better, smoother. And then the confidence goes whoop, up, 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 up. We can build that um, upward spiral that way. Excellent. And then, you know, the environment obviously uh, helps. Sam, could I just bring you in at this point? I think you had something to add. Yeah, I just wanted to say I love that that's that's a focus for you, especially sort of getting the head in the right place. Because if you're stressed and you're running about everywhere, you've not got time to think about developing your own technique and, and improving so I, I love that that is part of what you do and, and I'm sure so many people and, and women benefit from that it's fantastic yes it is and I do I um you know I like to get the foundations right in terms of environment and uh, and learning building blocks but as you say the the mind stress thing um, I mean, there's so many play, things at play at this time of life and my ladies are usually sort of 40 to 60 and and I do I'm, I'm also teach um, a mindfulness technique called sophrology so I bring that into the lessons and and actually weeks before they come on the holiday we're, we're doing stuff to help your mind um, um, uh, enhance your experience rather than hinder you which is what it does a lot of the time going I can't do this what's going to happen down here uh, there's a bit of ice I'll probably fall all of those things are creating negative um, hormones um, in your body and then causing you to stiffen up and you know lean back and all that stuff so yeah we just try and cover it from all angles basically I'm not I'm not I haven't had the opportunity to Google this now, but I'm sure I've read about sophrology before as being kind of an understanding of the the trees. And uh, am I imagining that? (laughs) 
Oh, I don't remember that so much in my training. But tell me what sophrology is. Um, we it's it's a sort of mixture of all sorts of mindfulness techniques, but ultimately we use um, breathing exercises, movement exercises, and guided visualizations um, to to uh, focus and train your mind to work work in your favor, basically. Right. Excellent. Kate, Katie Battleface, did you want to say something there? Yeah, that's really interesting because you're the first person I've heard speak about sophrology, but I've got quite a few friends in France who really um, swear by it. It's really taken Absolutely. off in France compared Absolutely. to the UK, hasn't it? It's not really yeah. taken off over here. Yeah, well, what? it originated from Spain and then and then moved over. Interestingly, the reason why it spread so fast across Europe was because, uh, long story short, the Swiss ski team, hard to say that, back in the day, this was 50 years ago, um, the Swiss ski team started using the techniques and went from bottom of the rankings to top in two seasons. So it just went woof, went through the sports arena and then it went back into its original place, which is um, mental health. Um, but it was obviously taught in Spanish and French. So uh, then it then it finally got to the UK and I was in one of the first, I think the first training group to qualify in it in English. That wow. is interesting. While, it, while you were talking just then, I did go and uh, Google it and I found what I was referring to. And I'm not going mad. Okay. There's an article from uh, around a year ago where, um, uh, let's see, Montchevin Les Coches have introduced uh, um, appreciating the natural power of trees, a kind of arboreal sophrology. Oh. Uh, trees help humans transmit their uh, energies, etc. So it, it wasn't quite sophrology, but it's almost there and it does exist. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. That is really interesting, all of that side of things. Now, you mentioned the technical side of things. I'm going to bring in Al now and we're going to have a little uh, more of a discussion. A, a couple of weeks ago, a couple of episodes ago, excuse me, we, Al mentioned that he's uh, you know, been skied on women's skis during uh, some of the ski tests. And uh, this seems like the perfect uh, episode to discuss women's skis in more detail. Here's a simple question for you, Al. How are women's skis different from men's skis? I think this is a hot topic, you know. I mean, it, in, in, the, in, the, in this world, in the modern world, we look at so many areas of our lives when gender, we don't just look at man or, or woman, even when we're looking at sex specifically, then, you know, we look at more than just male and female. So it's interesting in skis, we either look at men's and women's skis or unisex and women's skis, which in itself I find quite confusing. So... But, you know, it, it really helps with people kind of finding a product that's going to work well for them. Some of it's around marketing. Some of it sometimes is just a color change. But for the vast majority of brands, and especially when we're looking at piste focus skis, so firm snow performance or all mountain that's going to work on firm snow and off the sides, then the construction of the skis, the design, the binding placement, many parts of that ski can be tailored to let's say a, a the female physiology you know center of gravity center of mass might be slightly further back and lower down and therefore you want to help drive power through the front of the ski so sometimes brands will push the binding forward sometimes you'll see a different stiffness air flex pattern through the ski but generally with with kind of broad strokes here ladies skis will have a different or a softer construction so they might use different woods in it because men are generally dense, excuse the pun. So men generally have a heavier mass. Ladies are generally a bit lighter. So, so that comes into play. But also when you watch people ski, men often get through the chains with aggression and brute force and possibly a bit of ignorance, certainly in my case. And then <laughs> when, you know, if I watch my wife ski, she's got much more style, she's much more finesse, she's much more accurate with her placements but she doesn't have the same mass to bend the ski. So for her, then having that kind of construction with a softer flex pattern and maybe, uh, you know, helping to get the mass through the front of the ski works really well. So many things you're saying there I find really interesting. Firstly, I assume your wife listens to the podcast, so you drop that bit in, especially for her, have you? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> but you, when you skied on, um, let's say, um, women's skis, for you then, do you what difference do you notice in, in how they ski for you when you're testing them if you if you're comparing them to the the men's model for example yeah so often it's in a shorter length so that 
straight away has an impact on how it skis, even though it may have a different construction. If I'm going to test the men's model, the sample may be in a 170 or 177 length, whereas the equivalent ladies version, yes, it might be a, a really different ski, head, their joy skis, all about women, pure construction for female skiers. But if I was going to ski a sample of, let's say, one of the head joy models, it would be in a shortest ski. So it may be in a 149 or a 156 or a 162. So straight away, it's going to be easier to turn. And then you start to notice things like the flex pattern. So it might be, you know, it might be easier to, to, to release the tail, whereas um, with, with a man's ski, finding placement, centre mass, all of that, it'd be different to ski for a woman to get on the same ski. If you look at race, I mean, Graeme, you know all, all about this. You've been testing skis for years as well. Um, you know, race product is, for general retail race skis, there isn't a man's and a woman's ski. But then when you get up to top level, the skis are tailored to the skier. I don't view it so much as being about a man or a woman. At that elite level, it's about the specific skier. Yeah, for example, Christofferson would ski on much softer skis because of the way his style of skiing is. Um, he, he skis around a line on the turn, so he, he uh, will have more subtlety, more feeling um, than, say, a, another slalom skier who's you know a lot more aggressive. You know, Senhuizen, the big Swiss, like six foot five inch monster is, is going to be on completely different skis completely different construction of skis than than uh, christopherson and i think uh, this is really really relevant when it comes into normal skis it's not so much about you know how you view your your gender it's more about your physiology your skiing if we look at faction i know we've spoken about faction skis in the past they do an x ranges which is what people think of as their women's skis they're exactly the same skis as the men's they faction talk about this a lot it can be a different graphic and different length options and i know quite a lot of men that will ski on a faction x model because they may prefer the graphic or they want a shorter ski so that that classic stereotype of lady skis being you know lacy and, and, and kind of powder colors and men's being you know more far darker colors i think we are moving away from that and lots of brands are it doesn't surprise me to to hear that with you know gender being much more of a topic uh, than let's say it used to be. Katie Ski Goddess, can I come back to you? You know when you have your um, you know your goddesses on on your uh, trips, are you specifically helping them to to choose skis or to get the right kind of skis from the hire shop that's going to work for them from a physiological point of view? Um, yes. Um, and basically, you know, just over the years, we've just found what works best for, for them, um, you know, for the, for the vast majority of them. And, and ultimately, it's just a, an all mountain ski. Um, that actually, I think it's a bit twin tippy even. Um, and uh, they do go on the head joys as well. So, so generally, yeah. you're you're looking at specific uh, skis for them that you would you yeah, uh, take them towards. And, yes, and and just um, you know, I think a lot of um, women can get sold a you know really um, skinny ski in the middle, um, or like kind of I suppose going towards slalom ski. But but I always get them on something a bit wider underfoot because it just makes life so much easier for them. Sorry, for sure, in, in um, an all round way, you know. Yeah, Sam. Yeah, I think Al, you make some some important points about not just the aesthetic of the ski, but also the performance. And I'd personally say that I tend to steer away from anything that has pink or anything near lace because I'm like, no, I want to ski aggressively. I want to get the most out of my ski. So actually, from a marketing perspective, if that's the intention, that would that would tend to push me away more. And I'd be like, no, I want something which looks <laughs> looks a certain way. Obviously, I I I know the performance of the ski. But it, it, in my mind, I think of, you know, the pink tax and I think of, you know, how women already are, are in, in other areas of life are having to foot foot just for this for the sake of it looking feminine. I'm I'm definitely would steer towards performance and, and that would would attract me more. Katie. 
Um, and there's nothing wrong with pink, though, is there? Is that, so does the whole <laughs> no, nothing kind of wrong with pink. The pink, the pink bats, that differs from the pink pound, does it? Because the pink pound, <laughs> I thought, was uh, was the uh, disposable income for, uh, for, for gay men, <laughs> wasn't it? The pink pound. How does the pink tax work? <laughs> I think it definitely does differentiate. No, definitely no issues with pink. But generally, for, for things that you purchase, if, for example, razors, if your razor is pink and your razor is blue I will always buy men's razors just so everyone knows men's razors do exactly the same job um and so maybe perhaps that comparison could be with skis <laughs> um Al I would just want to add something about about the skis often especially Samuel talking about performance with testing product and something that became apparent really early on in testing I've been doing it for a long time and we have some amazing testers Olympic level skiers and they are used to being on really punchy, really aggressive skis. And it's amazing when you get new testers in of, the, the, uh, of that caliber, they are, oh, well, I don't really want to get on a lead ski. I want a punchy, aggressive ski. So there's that mm. mindset around what we view as a female ski. And then they get on them and are blown away by how they ski. So certainly I think people need to steer away from thinking that female skis don't perform because they are incredible. And also... You know, if if you have a really sensitive touch in your skiing, maybe you're a lighter weight male, don't be afraid to look at the female branded skis because they may work much better for your skiing. You can get excellent performance and that maybe that slightly different wood inside may make the ski easier for you to use. I can feel we should have made this a special episode all about uh, women's skis, but Katie, on to you. Um, yeah, just want to, I always have my hand up for ages there because, and you were just totally agreeing with everything I'm thinking because I'm no expert at all in skis, but I certainly have found that I now, I don't know if this is a bit older or whatever, I love an easy ski. I really love an easy ski and I can bounce around and be nimble and I just love it. I don't, I don't want stiff and, and solid anymore. So I, I just think it's so dependent on your certain situation. Okay, well, I think this has been really, really interesting. Hopefully, listener, you found it interesting as well. Right, we're just going to turn our thoughts towards uh, Beijing. Uh, less than 80 days now. Uh, and uh, I think we'll find Dave Riding is doing his first uh, racing this weekend uh, in Sweden. It's not a World Cup race, but he's obviously wanting to uh, get a bit of practice in. We've got a World Cup slope style in, in Stubai. I think that uh, Woodsy, Katie Summerhays, Kirsty Muir should all be out there. Uh, very interested to see that yesterday there was a snowboard slope style in Landgraf. And uh, listener, if you listened to our last episode, you will have heard Simon Burgess's report from Landgraf, which is the indoor slope in the Netherlands. And Mia Brooks won that. Uh, and so she, that's a great way to start off the uh, season in, uh, in good form. And in addition to that, We've also got uh, bobsleigh, not something we normally cover on the ski podcast, but I think their World Cup starts this weekend. And Greg Rutherford has recently uh, joined the team and he competed for the first time last weekend. Graham, you mentioned that previously about Greg Rutherford. Uh, how do you think his prospects are of uh, being the first Briton to win a summer and winter medal? Well, it depends on the bob, really, and it depends on, on the driver. He's obviously got the, the speed um, off the start and he can produce incredible power and you know he, he can get into the bob but uh, it's whether we've got a bob that can be competitive you know and we, we've shown that we can be close um you know we we won a was it a bronze in sochi eventually um after, <laughs> right. the, russians, <laughs> after the russians were disqualified finally um so yeah it could it could happen well, it'd be very interesting. I'd certainly be following that one because that would be a great story uh, as well. Um, just a reminder to uh, you, listener, uh, about our Billy Morgan competition. I've got a copy of Billy Morgan's uh, either biography or autobiography. It was written with a, a ghostwriter called Drop In. Since our last podcast, I have read uh, the book. And I've got to tell you, I really, really enjoyed reading it. I, I feel like I know... Uh, Billy so much better now I have interviewed him a couple of times before but he really it's what you I suppose you might call it like a warts and all uh, story he's certainly not vain he's incredibly uh, honest he sounds like the sort of guy you'd want to go and have a beer with but probably not too many beers uh, it, there's so many great great stories uh, in there so if you'd like to win uh, a copy of that book 
just tag the ski podcast on social or drop me an email the ski podcast at gmail uh, dot com uh, saying widely like to win the book graham i'm guessing you've interviewed uh, billy before i have interviewed billy and i have had a few too many beers with him on <laughs> occasion as well um does it mention in the book uh, in uh, pyeongchang after he'd won the, the his medal uh, where he ended up in a shopping trolley being kind of carted home <laughs> Well, I said it was warts and all, and he does actually uh, talk about that. Yeah, one of the many things that he's uh, he's done. But, you know, I found it really interesting. He talks about the imposter syndrome side of things. You know, he's pulled off some of uh, the first uh, spectacular moves uh, in snowboarding that anyone had ever done. Yet he got this real backlash for doing it. You know, just being criticized as just a gymnast and not a proper snowboarder. And, uh, yeah, you know, I'd, I'd highly recommend uh, his book. And, you know, obviously he ended up, uh, you know, picking up the bronze medal in Pyeongchang. Uh, you know, it's a really good story. Fantastic athlete. Fantastic athlete and a really good guy. Uh, OK, let's move towards the close now. We've got a few reviews here since our last episode. Uh, Rich B 67 he's a user on Snowheads. He uh, said, uh, I started listening to the podcast and uh, really enjoyed them. Mike Powell, also on Snowheads, uh, another great listen. Sofa to Slopes on Instagram said, want to get excited for the winter ahead? Listen to the ski podcast. Gets me through some long bike rides. Uh, And I'd like to thank Paul Finlay and Johnny Goldsborough for buying me a coffee, which you can do at buymeacoffee.com forward slash the ski podcast. Paul said, "Uh, thanks for the kids ski holiday travel advice and the continuing podcast. And Johnny said, I really enjoyed hearing Henry. Uh, That's Henry Schneevind on the uh, podcast, getting really excited for the season. Fingers crossed. We have our fingers crossed uh, too, uh, Johnny. And Nigel Winters sent me an email saying, uh, I do love the show. I only started listening just prior to lockdown. It's been great to keep up with what's uh, going on in the ski world, out in resorts, travel restrictions, interviews, and what's new in equipment, uh, etc. So uh, don't forget, yeah, you can buy me a coffee. All cuffers appreciated. Uh, I enjoy all feedback about the show. So uh, send me an email if you want to give us a review on Apple Podcasts. That would be great too. We also have a couple of stickers left. So if you'd like some for your skis, uh, board, helmet or phone, just drop me an email with your address. Uh, But for now, I'd like to thank Switzerland Tourism for sponsoring the show and thank all of my guests today. Uh, Katie from Battleface Travel Insurance. Thank you, Katie. Great to be here, Ian. Al Morgan from Ski Kit Info. Ian, thank you once again. Uh, also, Katie from Ski Goddess. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. It was super fun. Thanks. It's a pleasure. And uh, Graham Bell and Sam Lynch from Perfect Turns App. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Ian. Thanks for having us. It's a pleasure. So uh, finally, I'd like to thank you, listener, for sharing your time with us. And until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.